7.38, and aha, Philip Statler is on the line. Let's talk finances and uh, try to figure out why the uh, market went crazy yesterday. I mean, it was good news, Philip, but we didn't have anything to celebrate quite yet, did we? Well, I don't think so. I mean, you know, we sat there and... uh... I mean, I think that the optimism is that the elections are going to go the uh, the way that you and I figure they will. And that's a landslide, basically, uh, for the Republicans, which will then split uh, the executive branch from the legislative branch 100 um, percent. And I think they're 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 liking that perspective. And I, that's generally a good case in history to quantify it in case people missed it. The Dow went up 424 points yesterday. S&P was up 36 and a quarter. And the NASDAQ was almost the laggard in the bunch. It was up 89. That was only 85 hundredths of a percent. The Dow was up a full 1.3 percent. This is a good time to bring up the point that money is not political. Money simply goes to find more money where it can meet and make more money. And uh, one thing that Wall Street generally likes is a government that does nothing to get in the way. Uh, I found a little chatter on one of my tip sheets. They did a chart every single year after a midterm election. The Standard & Poor's 500 index has made a substantial gain. But I was going through the list, and I was looking at the election years. The biggest gains in the S&P 500 following up midterm elections have always been after we throw the party in, in the White House out of power in Congress. Just kind of backs up the notion that Wall Street likes predictability. They don't like surprises. And uh, one thing that happens when you get split government is you can pretty well count on absolutely nothing happening in Washington for the next couple of years. That's true. That's so true. And you're right. Uh, you know, Wall Street likes that. They like that gridlock uh, because then they're, they're pretty certain that nothing's going to get done which, um, again, allows the status quo, and, and they're happy because they know how to deal with that. And it makes planning a lot easier. I mean, the same thing on our personal finances. If we know what's ahead for the next six, eight months, it's a heck of a lot easier to make our own financial planning. The problem is we don't, and that's why we have experts like you around. But the idea is you know your grass is going to grow. You know you're going to mow the lawn once a week. If it's not going to grow, well, well, when's it going to start? And all of a sudden there's some uncertainty in your life. Even in the trivia, in the trivial elements, certainty helps. And when you're throwing billions of dollars around like the stock market does, the stock market's big investors like being able to predict that nothing is going to happen. They can make plans and work on it. Exactly. You know, that's what they like. They like to plan it out and, uh, and make it happen. Um, and they'll have a, a better a better focus on what that looks like. And the only sticking point for me that I look at is that, well, you still got to deal with the Fed, right? <laughs> Which is our one uncontrollable in the front. And given the inflation figures and the economic figures we've got, and something I was postulating about last week, that there's a change in the open market committee membership on the first of the year, another three quarters of a point is basically a lead pipe cinch come the middle of December. Yeah, and I don't like that. I don't like that it's going to be a cinch. I was hoping maybe that we could see uh, a little less of an increase uh, because that's kind of what Paulson had indicated back in uh, in March. But you're right. I mean, the numbers don't uh, lend itself that way, especially with the change that we're going to see in the Fed. Um, you know, I think they're going to stick it to us one more time pretty big before they uh, rotate off. 
And the good news that can come to that is the fact that the general conventional wisdom has we've got some relative doves going on to the uh, voting committee that make those decisions. 2023 could actually be a halfway decent year if if the doves turn out to be doves. Well, that's true. I mean, it could be better than anticipated. Um, but let's let's remember the key focus of the Fed is going to be to get the inter- get the um, the, the uh, inflation under control, and so uh, we we still have that part has to come through for them to be able to do their part as well. Yeah, that's true. But at least in January, with a little bit of a fight with some new members, we might actually get to the point of something you and I have been preaching for a while. Somebody's going to speak up at the next open committee, uh, open market committee meeting in January and say, people, let's wait and see what we've already done does to the economy. And that's the pause you and I have both been saying. Bump it up three quarters of a point. We should have done it earlier. Now, let's let it cook for a few months and see what the inflation rate looks like instead of still hitting the economy with a two by four over and over and over again. Yeah, they need to they need to come up for air and take a couple breaths before they uh, they do anything else. And like you said, let's see what, uh, you know, what four or five interest rate hikes has done before we start, uh, you know, applying any more. Let's uh, maybe that's enough if you let it cook through. And, and we'll start to see an easing uh, in the inflation numbers. That's the part that hits me. I'm still predicting the notion that we're really not going to feel what this slowdown in monetary policy is going to do to us until probably starting in March as far as the full impact. And that's about the earliest we'd see the impact of these, you know, five substantial rate increases in a row. If we did one more in December, then in January, and then in February as well, all of a sudden we're looking at the notion of an 80s recession, and we weren't planning on anything that deep. Well, that's true. Yeah. Nobody plans for uh, for those type of recessions, but uh, hopefully we can run through it and, and, and they do what they need to do. But I'd like to see a, a little slower track to make sure that uh, the path we're on, uh, give it some time to make sure yep. that uh, it's going to work. We should have been poking along a year and a half ago with quarter percent increases instead of five, three, quarter percent increases. Well, you, and I, you and I try to get them to do that, right? But they just wouldn't listen to us. If only the world was smart enough to listen to us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot of news items floating out today beyond that projected, and because the election is going to pretty much take up the uh, take up the attention for us today. I did find a tidbit: Carvana is in some really deep doo doo. There was one of the analysts saying they expect that poor car dealer to go down to one dollar a share. They might have to sell some Man. of their vending machines, huh? Man, that's not good. But I'll tell you, I saw a headline that's probably given some credence to not just that, but the auto industry as a whole, uh, because they uh, the headline is um, auto loan delinquencies rise as uh, the loan accommodation programs start to end. So they're seeing a little bit more in the way of delinquencies in the autos, auto industry, which tells us that, um, you know, inflation is is hurting folks because they're they're late on their payments, they're delinquent. Uh, because they're having to spend that money on other things right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this is something I can't say I'm shocked by. It. I, I might have been you. It was somebody else, maybe, whose, whose opinion I respect. After we came out of the mess with the uh, mortgage meltdown that we had back, oh, good Lord, we're now talking, but Jesus, it was over 10 years ago. Uh, somebody said, watch for the next thing coming. 
with the price of a new car up at twenty five for economy, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars for a new car. New, it got, auto loan debt is becoming a bubble simply on the grounds that a car today costs more than a house did not too many years ago. And eventually there's going to be a bubble on those loans as well. So we're kind of looking at the notion of something that uh, some of us are going to be able to say, I told you so, too. Well, exactly. You know, because it is. They're expensive. And as interest rates have ticked up, that even makes it's kind of like the real estate market, right? Houses are going to have to come down in value because mortgage rates are going up. Auto loans are the same way. Um, you know, the price of a vehicle now, when you figure in what the what the loan payment is going to be, has gone up astronomically um, in the last year. And so that's got to be putting some pressure on, on dealerships and the car industry as a whole because, you know, not that they don't have a whole lot of inventory, but still the inventory they got, they need to sell. And that's uh, that's going to be a problem going forward. From what I've read, a lot of the car dealership salvations this year has been that supply chain issue. They don't have as many new models on the lot, so they're making their cash off of uh, pre-owned cars. Now, from the standpoint of the shopper, that's not necessarily good news, but reflect that back on the auto retailer. That means they've got fewer new models that they're paying floor plan interest on, so they're actually not doing all that bad on the local dealership level. But uh, still, uh, you know, I, I've, got a, I've got a new car I bought a few years ago. Uh, it's a compact car. I drive a modest vehicle. But the fact that my car payment approaches what my house payment was 25 years ago is really kind of a mind blower when you, when you put it in that perspective. Yeah, it really is. You know, Dave, that's, uh, that's the issue is that they've gotten so pricey. Um, you know, you, you gave the dealerships kind of a pass on their floor plan, but you know, a lot of them floor plan their used vehicles as well, because, um, you know, it's, it's, they, they gave something for it. So, uh, sometimes we'll see, uh, floor planning even on, on the used car sales side. Oh, definitely. It's one of the reasons that you hear them saying they want to buy cars because a cash deal ends up becoming much more profit in the process. We obviously have a very limited number of uh, economic reports coming out today. The only thing that came out was a small business optimism report. Uh, that was at 6 a.m. this morning. I did not find it in the process. It was the uh, National Federation of Independent Businessmen. Uh, it was expected to be down a little bit from last month, which isn't going to surprise anybody too terribly much. doesn't look like it's affected the, uh, the futures very much this morning. We're looking at some green ink. Uh, how about quarterly uh, reports? Uh, we, I, we talked about those rideshare companies being so doggone hot lately and trendy and all of that. How did Lyft do last quarter? They're kind of number two. Yeah, they are. So let me give you the, I've got the Federation number for oh, you. Oh, you got it. it. Okay. Actually, yep, it actually fell um, about eight-tenths of a percent. It was 92.1 uh, last period. It's 91.3 this period, which is basically in line with what the expectations were. Yeah, I so, had 91.4 expected, so that's no surprise, and it was what expected. Okay. Yeah, so so Lyft reported, and uh, now they did have better than expected uh, earnings for this last quarter, which, which was good, but they really got hammered because their revenue has slowed down substantially. A matter of fact, the revenue was below their pre-pandemic levels, so Ooh. that's not good news for them. Yeah. And, and so I think that's, uh, that's as you compare that to Uber, I think Uber's actually diversified more, right? Because they've gotten into Uber Eats and, and Lyft hasn't really done that in terms of diversification of their product line. 
they're getting killed this morning, uh, down almost 18%. Uh, they closed yesterday at $14.14 a share. Right now, they would open at $11.58. So um, not their 52-week low, but still, they're uh, a pretty big hammer hit them on the head overnight with those earnings. So um, That's a ton, yeah. Yeah, we do. We've got a um, Take-Two Interactive uh, reported as well. Now, they did miss on earnings uh, this last uh, quarter. They uh, you know, they got cut bookings for out for next year for their gaming uh, has got cut, uh, weaker mobile sales. So they, they're just getting hit from all sides right now. So take two is down to about 17.5%. So um, I'm having a hard time finding some good news today, Dave. I was the, about uh, to ask you if you couldn't find me some. I need a, I need a boost. Well, let's let's finish up the bad news first, I guess. So the okay. next one that's really bad, TripAdvisor. Um, Whoa! Yeah, TripAdvisor came out, and their their earnings came in below the expectations as well. Now they did get hurt because of currency fluctuations. You know, they they do business pretty much worldwide, so um, currency fluctuations hurt them this last um, quarter. Uh, they they said that you know. Demand is still strong in the travel industry, but uh, but they just got uh, whopped because of some things. So they're down 22.4% this morning. Ouch, that came as a bigger surprise because I'm looking at my big gainers and I got a boatload of travel stocks on that list today. I figured that a travel agency like TripAdvisor would do well off of all that. Yeah, I guess that currency could uh, can really can do some damage. Um, Evidently. So we got DuPont reported. Uh, they uh, they beat on their top and bottom lines for the third quarter. Um, they, they've got higher costs, but they've been able to um, push those off to the to the consumer. Uh, they're up three point six percent this morning. Then we've got um, one you and I always uh, play around with a little bit, and that's uh, uh, Cody, the cosmetic company. They mm-hmm. reported as well. Now their revenue was slightly above forecast. Uh, their their earnings were basically in line with what was forecasted. Um, they're seeing demand hold up, even though they've had to raise prices uh, quite a bit. And uh, they they kind of like uh, TripAdvisor. They've taken a hit because of currency. The strong dollar has has hurt them. Uh, but they are trading up this morning about two and a half percent. The last um, one I have, huh? I was going to say, I'm just glad to see them selling. That's right. The last one I have for you to, today is Planet Fitness. Um, mm-hmm. Planet Fitness, their quarterly revenue and profits both beat the uh, expectation. They even raised their four-year forecast. Their membership has reached some record highs during this last quarter. So, uh, and their their visiting frequency. You know, you know, retail they they took ticket sales volume. Planet Fitness wants to look at member visits, and so uh, they've gone up. So some good news for Planet Hollywood. Um, Planet Hollywood. Planet Fitness. They're up five and a half percent this morning. It was like Planet Hollywood completely different uh, business? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, you. Although you they on, like frequency. Although they like frequency of visits there too. <laughs> yeah, they do, but, but you put pounds on. You put pounds on there instead of take pounds off. I wonder if they're co-owned. <laughs> Again, resetting the table. Nice update yesterday on Wall Street. I'm seeing some green ink this morning. How are we looking so far? There are some, there are some green ink today, Dave. We got the Dow up about a third of a percent. The um, S&P 500 is up four tenths. 
NASDAQ uh, 100 is up seven tenths. So some good movement there. Uh, everything on the other side of the coin, the commodity side is in the red. We've got silver down about three tenths. Gold's down a quarter of a percent. Crude oil down uh, a little over eight tenths of a percent to 91.03, which is a, a few cents less than what it was yesterday morning. Just tinge bit, yeah. Uh, Asian rim markets were mixed at the close at 6 a.m. this morning. China appears to have leveled off a little bit. European markets up fractionally halfway through their day. We've got a big event coming up on Friday. Assuming the weather cooperates, we're going to help people get safe, right? That's right. Uh, this Friday uh, from 10 to 2, we are planning still, unless the weather really knocks us for a loop, um, to have our annual shred day. We'll have the shred truck here. We'll be doing hot dogs and uh, cold drinks, and, and then we'll even have the donut truck here. So uh, come on by and get your stuff shredded. We'll have some information on identity theft and a uh, good, good opportunity to get rid of stuff, and, uh, and you'll be well set. So come on That'll by and be right us. Right behind your offices in North Ridgewood and downtown, or South Ridgewood and downtown Sebring. Philip, I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you tomorrow, all right? All right, man, I got in trouble. The girl said, make sure you tell them to come in off of Franklin. Come in off of Franklin, yes, take, right. the, take, take the take uh, the little thing behind our office there. All right, man, hey, I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Take care, my friend. It's 105.7 Light FM and Statler Financial Services, Philip Statler. We read so much. Hey, folks, again, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope that uh, you had a good day yesterday and today turns out well for you as well. Hey, join us again this Friday for Shred Day. Uh, hopefully the weather does uh, let us uh, do that. Join us again tomorrow for uh, Dave and mine's commentary and uh, have a great day. Bye now.